This is not a game we play This is our reality This is not a game we play Welcome to Booked, where two guys tell you about the books they're reading. I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Livia Sneddon. Uh, tonight's episode is going to be another in our now famous interlude series of episodes. Um, basically what that means is that uh, we decided not to review a book, not to interview somebody tonight. We're just going to talk about writing, a little bit about movies. We're going to talk about a collection and uh, some other stuff comes up along the way. Yeah, the first thing we're going to talk about tonight is uh, a series of stories that has been released over at uh, the Thunderdome website. Is there a specific uh, title for this series, Livius? Is it just Thunderdome's Tarot Tarot Story Series? Um, yeah, it's just listed as The Tarot. There it is, The Tarot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, apparently this came together. Um, Michael Paul Gonzalez and Dan Donch worked together on this. Um, Dan Donch, who has uh, been mentioned on the show a couple of times, um, he is going to be very, very soon releasing the Darkana Tarot uh, deck that he created himself. So uh, I'm going to read you this a little bit from the, the website where the pre-order is available. The Darkana Tarot deck combines a modern grunge style with non-traditional tarot symbolism. Every image is personally designed by Dan Donch, the creator of the Inappropriate Tarot Readings Phenomenon, which is a uh, readings that he does via email, which is kind of an interesting new way to look at something very traditional. Yeah, from the art that I've seen of it, he's posted a lot of it on Facebook and stuff, and I've just kind of seen it around. It's a really cool-looking deck. It's definitely not your your typical, you know, wandering into a new-age shop and walking past a bunch of stupid crystals and stuff to find a tarot deck kind of thing. Very, very cool, yeah. I, I, um, He funded this through a Kickstarter project, so I'm anxiously awaiting my deck. I went ahead and uh, pulled the trigger on one uh, early on in the Kickstarter. But kind of back to Thunderdome, um, the two of them kind of collaborated on this where they had uh, authors would submit a story that's based on one of the tarot cards. One of the, I don't know if they picked just the major arcana or, and quite honestly, I don't I don't really know what that means because <laughs> I don't know a lot about tarot cards. But anyway, every story, um, each of the stories is based on, the, uh, on one of the tarot cards. Can I say before we start talking too much about the stories that... We all right. So now we we've reviewed a handful of short story collections by you know like a bunch of short stories by one author, and a bunch of anthologies where it's a bunch of different authors contributing a story, and we've kind of had this question come up of you know what's better something themed or something just kind of more loosely you know bound together, not really a, a common thread through the stories and. Now with Thunderdome, the stuff that they've released, they did the uh, In Search of a City, Los Angeles in a Thousand Words anthology where uh, it was a photo of something somewhere in Los Angeles, so the stories were all about uh, something going on in Los Angeles. They've got this, uh, this tarot series, which is a bunch of stories based on something having to do with tarot, and I know they announced another one that they're taking submissions for called Cypher Sisters, where there was a story about these two sisters and... and uh, that were found dead in an old age, and you essentially just have to write a story about something that happened at some point in their lives. And I've really enjoyed how having this very strong theme as part of the submission process has has created really good stories that are like still kind of a wide variety, but still hitting uh, a common theme. Yeah, I definitely think we have Michael 
Paul Gonzalez's vote um, tallied for which way he likes to go with those kinds of things. Yeah, it works yeah. well, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, it worked well for this uh, collection of very different writers. <laughs> there, there is another thing that that kind of goes into play. There is when I think, and you know, I could be a little wrong depending on how wide that theme is, but when you say, "Hey, I need stories that are based on a tarot card." You're, you're pretty much going to get originally written content specifically for this. I don't think that every writer has the tarot card story <laughs> um, sitting on their hard drive, like just waiting for someone to ask for one. Um, so, I mean, I guess in some cases a story could get edited and have that element thrown in. But I think by and large, uh, Gonzalez does a, a smart thing and gets original content written for a specific topic versus, you know, just accepting something. So saying, you know, it's horror themed. How many people, you know, of those contributors are going to sit down and write a horror story a lot of them i think are going to be like hey i've got this horror story that i'm placed anywhere i'm going to submit it and see if it'll fly yeah exactly so beginning june 11th um there were uh two stories released per week and that just wrapped up um just yesterday on the 4th of july so uh it's time to talk about it we've got all of them on there it's not going to be an official review just something we wanted to mention we thought it was pretty cool the tarot deck is very cool the whole concept of doing stories on as we just talked about is pretty cool so we're just going to touch on a couple stories i think all right, yeah. So we'll run through the titles and the authors for everything. Um, I know that I've got a couple that I want to, you know, just drop a quick mention about. So I'm sure Livius will have something similar. Kicking off the list is uh, essentially like, you know, a member of Booked by Now. David James Keaton had a story called Double Piss Test um, that started it all off, and uh, I thought that one was pretty cool. It was a little bit rambling and weird. It was all dialogue, so uh, you know nothing really to guide you outside of what the different characters were uh were talking about but definitely it's definitely a keaton story oh yeah just an just an insane <laughs> it's insane conversation between a hitchhiker and uh and his hitchhikey what do you call that person that picks up hitchhikers other than stupid um wait the person that picks up hitchhikers yeah uh a ride yeah there's no term there should be a term right i mean if one person is a hitchhiker the person picks up a hitchhiker should have a name yeah that's true yeah insane but really 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 funny and while we're on it i think i'd be a little better prepared when i put i have uh i think i believe i have a quote from that uh i brought no quotes to the table again because we read it off the website oh but i somehow managed to get quotes interesting how many episodes is that that you're quoteless two man just two <laughs> wow i just gotta give you a hard time because you were usually the one with a laundry list of quotes and uh lately it seems like i'm i'm the the really chatty one about this uh so this scene takes place as he's telling a story uh, the hitchhiker is telling a story to um the hitchhiker so i'm gonna go with um <laughs> And it's a little longer passage, but I think the payoff's there. I took a urine test for a new job once and found it to be a very nerve-wracking experience. Not because there were any drugs in my system, but because I normally drink a shitload of water every day, and it turns out that too much water in the sample can be considered diluted. And my pot token friend, who said I should drink all the water I could because the contact high, because of the contact high from shaking his hands or taking his phone calls. <laughs> That's good stuff. That whole piss test part of the story was... Uh... I mean, that whole piss test, and then he goes in for the piss test, is good stuff. Yes, very, very good stuff. You want to move on? Um, you know, I'm looking. I think I may have another quote. Oh, oh, here we go. Another quote regarding piss tests. 
So I go home and so I go home all paranoid and hit the internet. Big mistake. I read about people failing drug tests just for watching stoner movies three hours before their tests or even singing along to popular 60s songs on the way to the lab. It also says that people usually shave their heads so they can't do a follicle test on them, too. I start thinking, oh, no, I just shaved my head yesterday and I drink water. I'm the most suspicious drug addict on the planet. I will never be hired again with such a cranium and 12 gallons of crystal clear piss that pours forth from my body like a pure Arctic stream. <laughs> Livius has a little note <laughs> about the about the story that says seems like it may be a bit autobiographical, and I have to imagine that this is just yeah stuff that lives inside Keaton's mind that uh, it's all about his own day to day life. Well, he talks about um, subtitling movies, which or films, TV shows in the story, which is something we know he did. He's bald. I don't know if he drinks a lot of water, but you know those things all seem somewhat autobiographical. Yeah, I can see him having a piss crisis. I could see him hitchhiking. I could see him hitchhiking too. Yeah. Are you? Are you? Uh, are you got any more quotes? No, that's it. That was one of the stories I definitely wanted to talk about. Uh, next up was uh, misreading evidence by Chris Lewis Carter, and you might remember that name because we were just drooling all over his story, Kill Screen, in the uh, Nova Parade anthology we reviewed on the previous episode. So yeah, Chris Lewis Carter just jumped into our life, and now we're just buried in Chris Lewis Carter. He was the winner of the the Nova Parade anthology, if I recall correctly. Officially he declared the winner. Won the anthology, absolutely. Yes. Now this story is about a telephone psychic, and uh, so the tarot comes into comes into play with a with a telephone call with a psychic. And every time I hear about or read about telephone psychics, you know the first thing I think of. I can't think of her name, but you think of her, right? The the, the African American lady with the, the... <laughs> Miss Cleo. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, with the call me now. Call me call now. Me, call me now for call your free now. reading. So, little known fact, I used to work at... Uh, uh, at Miss Cleo's? At, I used to work at Miss Cleo's. Now, I used to work for... Uh, oh, hang on. I used to work for a gay and lesbian newspaper in uh, Chicago for a brief stint, and one of the things that I used to do uh, was transcribing audio interviews uh, for the newspaper. And I found out that... That uh, yeah, that that Miss Cleo was being interviewed for the newspaper. I guess either she's gay or she's a you know big in the gay community. So they were interviewing Miss Cleo, and I was like, oh, this is gonna be terrible. But like Miss Cleo is one of the most fascinating people. Like she's really intelligent and really entertaining. Never would have guessed from that weird, crazy scam phone call stuff. But Miss Cleo kind of rocks. I mean, that's the thing is that um, I think you have to be intelligent to pull off, you know, such a successful scam. I think that, you know, we think those people are, you know, oh, we watch you, we see the commercials and you go, oh, this idiot, you know, or whatever. But the person that pulls that off has got to be pretty sharp to, to get away with it. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. You really make sense. Yeah, and that, that totally means she's the one that was in the driver's seat of that whole scam, not just, you know, they found a, a, the right face for it or something. I mean, just think about it. How intelligent are we? And we get people to tune in every week. We're like Miss Cleo. Yeah, call us now. Call us now for your free review. <laughs> we could start offering people free reviews. Like, we'll review stuff for you for free if you tune in. Um, Next story. Don't we, we kind of <laughs> do that? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks again, Chris Lewis Carter. Good story there. The uh, the next story here um, is called Five of Swords by Tome Baker. It's another, a lot of these stories, and they're very short. So when we don't say a lot about them, there's not a lot we can say um, without ruining the story. But basically, it's about a boy who uh, 
who visits a very strange, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? I don't want to say what my notes actually say. Um, he visits a really scary person in the neighborhood. He, he visits like a, like when you were a little kid, you know, and there was that house in the neighborhood everyone said a witch lives in. This boy visits that house. Yeah, like the boogeyman. Yes. Yeah, interesting story. Kind of had that like uh, urban legendy kind of feel to it. A little very, bit. Yep. Very good, yeah. yeah. I think I think I didn't think about it before, but yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. Yeah. So after Five of Swords came The Fool by Brian Howey, uh, where essentially this was kind of neat. It was just a dude who no anything he was doing, uh, he would pull out a card to kind of, and and hit what he decided to do was based on what which card it was. So that was kind of cool. Yeah, remind me a little bit of Two Face in the Batman comics, but much cooler than just flipping a coin. I think that this actually gave uh, his character in that direction, which was kind of neat. Yeah, yeah. All right, following Brian Howie's story is Fragile by Devin Robbins. This is a uh, the shortest of the of the grouping of stories. So again, without giving anything away, it's uh it's about uh, two people that are uh, in a relationship and they're in a car. Yeah, it's pretty much all we can say. Yeah. Well written, though. I, I liked it. I liked I liked the feel that he was able to kind of elicit in, you know, a page, basically. Uh, I Am Gypsy by Catherine Savarain, I'm hoping I pronounced that right, um, is the next story. And that's, uh, uh, it's about this just lady, this nutty lady that's into tarot cards that's uh, kind of, uh, it's, she struck me like kind of like a prostitute John situation. But this chick's really into tarot cards. <laughs> yeah, that was uh that was an interesting one. A little bit more seedy, kind of a yes. seedy story. Yes, very much so. And I made Livius do this story so I could introduce the next one. <laughs> uh the Call me now for your free reading. <laughs> uh the next one, Nikki Gurlane's story, the tube top Shebop Tang Yawu. Um what can you say about this story? Uh it's got a squirrel. Uh, someone singing Rico Suave. It's it's a Nikki Gurlane story. I'm sure Livius will will go into it. I mean, it's just it's an awesome. I love Nikki Gurlane. I love the way she writes and everything. Always always very entertaining, but really weird and tough to bring into a very tight uh, description of it. Yeah, I um, the elements that Nikki uses. So we talked about um, at length about her story in um, L.A. in a Thousand Words, which um, featured the same two dudes that that or the the focal point of this story and many of her her short stories um kind of think bill and ted but a little more intelligent maybe you know if you're really looking for a way to kind of describe these guys but the problem with her stories is like you can't there's there's no description there's no describing these stories um it's uh it's definitely about friendship uh it's a little bit about jealousy in some parts and yeah the elements that go into this are uh are just batshit crazy, but this story, um, it's, it's a head turner. So I will say that it's a little on the, um, you know, kind of filthier side of things. So if it's not your thing, I don't, you know, recommend that, that you read it. But, um, if it's, you know, if you're one of these kind of nothing's off limits when you're reading a story, I can't recommend enough that you go to Thunderdome and read the tube top Shibop Tang Ya Woo by Nikki Gerling. Totally. Yeah. Livius is, uh, cautioning that it's a little bit on the adult side is definitely i mean at one point i think the they're trying to find some rope or something so they can stop from being pulled into a tang covered vagina that i think might have tentacles yes so <laughs> yes yeah. 
it, it's and that's the thing about Nikki. Like her her stories are good. Like the story is good, but there's so much distraction of just like weirdness that it's yeah. It takes a little bit more to kind of wrap your mind around the story. Um, I have just two quotes. By the way, that character that you were talking about, the tang covered, uh, it's it's a it's a it's a succubus. Oh, that's right. <laughs> it has a name. Um, I have two quotes. And again, I'm trying not to give anything away, but some of this is just laugh out loud funny. And again, out of context, I'm not sure how well it'll come off. But the first part that um, I think got me, and this is, you know, I don't know, three paragraphs in, four paragraphs into the story. Clearly, this was no ordinary squirrel, which is just <laughs> just wonderful. And like I said, if you read the story, you'll understand why that's just a fantastic, fantastic line. And then I have one more that's a little longer because, like I said, I kind of was looking for stuff that wasn't going to give anything away. This is a conversation. I, I think it'll kind of explain itself. When I suggested that he should have taken the dong, too, that it could have been a clue, he looked at me as if I was a pervert, mumbling a series of comments meant to elicit a shame response in me. But this was no ordinary day of shame for me. I'd hit a new high. I refused to be ashamed for something as simple as suggesting a B&E on a giant chocolate dildo. I had other squirrels to fry. Yep. Two words, Nikki Gerlane. Yeah, you know, again, we mentioned this about um, uh, about Amanda Gowan. I have yet to read something by Nikki that I really, really um, didn't like. Um, I'm laughing because I just saw the other book bark quote, which I'm not going to do on the air. But that's what the giggle was like. I want anyone to think that I was laughing about the quality of her of her writing. <laughs> Oh, and you know, before I forget, um, I love these two dude stories. Um, Nikki's going to have another one going up, uh, probably up by the time you're listening to this. If not, check back in a couple of hours. But uh, Succubus in the Attic is going to be up at Phantasmagorium. Um, you know, I, I think just Nikki needs to come with a uh, <laughs> with a, just a warning label on her. It's another uh, not safe for work story. Um, probably... I don't know. Between that and uh, the the story we just talked about, they're probably equal, I think, in the not safe for work category. But uh, very funny stuff. Um, graphic, foul, funny, great stuff. So definitely check that out over at Phantasmagorium. All right. Now that Rob duped me into, you know, getting him to do the Nikki Gerlane story. Um, Last Stop by Gregory Black. Um, another one of my favorites from this, and uh, it's about a gas station attendant um, and a girl who stops to get gas. And again, I can't say a whole lot, but I really liked where, where the story went. Yeah, even the comment that I thought was going to be not too spoilery kind of ends up being spoilery. Um, there, uh, What I will say is there's a moment in the story, and I love it when there's moments like this in the story where... Um, it's the type of thing where the story is building up your expectations for some certain result. And it's almost assured that that result's going to happen. And the moment where you realize that it's about to happen um, was probably my favorite part in the story. And, um, and I love those types of stories because like, even though you know probably about what's going to happen, um, it's the way that they do it that's always so exciting. And I think Black did a great job with this one. I agree. I agree. A little different in tone than, than the other two that, you know, that I really, really liked. Very different. There wasn't anything funny in there. I don't have a quote from it. Just a really well-written short story. And uh, the final story that dropped is uh, by Chris Deal, who has been on our show a couple times. He uh, interviewed with us for Warmed and Bound. 
he guest hosts with us for the Zombie Extravaganza Spectacular uh, episode where we talked about Craig Wahlberg's story uh, in the Midnight Movie Creatures feature anthology. And um, his story is called The Tower. It's it's another story that's kind of quick, so we can't really talk a lot about it, but it's about a guy who seems like he's kind of burdened by something he's done in his past and and unsure of of what his future's like until he gets some helpful suggestions i guess is the way i would describe it without giving anything away and i hate it when i have to do this to our listeners but i want you to think about this and i'm starting to wonder if we read too much in the opening and closing stories okay the first story is about a hitchhiker which is like us getting picked up and, and being taken through the tarot stories and then think about the tower as an ending story. Mm, yeah, I, I yeah. can't imagine that that wasn't specifically done that way. Or again, maybe I'm doing the thing where uh, Chuck Palahniuk once, uh, once said that he read this lady's uh, paper on Fight Club and she was talking about how his power animal was a penguin because he felt like he was a, a bird without wings or they couldn't fly. And he's like, no, I just thought a penguin would sound cool. Sometimes I wonder if we read a little too much into <laughs> into things, but yeah, no, but I think you got a point. The I didn't even think about that, but the hitchhiking is just a brilliant way to start out a the, uh, uh, an anthology because yeah, it's you're picking up someone and taking them on an adventure. That's brilliant, Livius. You won the the podcast episode. Boom, winner, winner. There it is. Yep. So, any rate, um, just a couple a couple of notes. Um, we mentioned at the top of the episode that the this was all kind of spawned by the Darkana. Darkana, Darkana, I think, right? Tarot card deck. Yeah, because like Arcana, but like with Dark- a D mm-hmm. in front of it. Yep. So the Darkana tarot deck kind of inspired these stories. Um, you can pre-order, but my understanding is that these are going to be available for actual order very, very soon. Here, um, I'll give you the web address. It's uh, Dan Donch, D-A-N-D-O-N-C-H-E dot C-O slash store, um, and that's not the only thing. It's the first time I've been on that site. There's some pretty cool things available on that site too like you can get a uh, card made of yourself like a photo you know with, yeah. with that really cool style and rob and i were actually kind of talking about maybe getting one done for the show yeah i think that might happen um so there are t-shirts there's um logo design I and mean, this Dan is into a lot of different things but uh it's kind of a cool landing page to to check out some of his work so head over there order yourself a uh, a tarot deck and then go to thunderdomemag.com and read these uh, read these stories. You're, you're going to enjoy them. Yeah, and this goes back to what I, I I think we've kind of gotten away from. But all right, every story that we just talked about is just free to read on this website, and we I don't think we talk enough about how easy it is to find good writing uh, for free online. And so you know, this is a, a great example of of nine really well-themed stories put together that are just free for anybody to check out and read. So thanks a lot to Michael Paul Gonzalez, who runs Thunderdome, uh, for putting that together. I think he did a great job. Agreed. So we have a wealth of topics to discuss tonight. Which one do you want to go with next? Um, I'm thinking that I, I, we, we just have to dive right in and talk about something really awesome that happened to us recently. So uh, pretty much just after our episode for uh, the review of SolarSide's Anthology Nova Parade went up, Lawrence Kitts uh, put together a, a Facebook group called Booked Listening Group, which is incredible. Livius and I had never talked to anybody about 
uh, someone putting a Facebook group together. But essentially, what it is is it's a Facebook group where people could join up, talk about episodes that they've listened to, you know, drop, you know, really talk about anything that has to do with the podcast. Um, yeah, drop mention of or, or have conversation about episodes and, and stuff like that or mention related things. Um, we did that uh, Shit Authors Say episode where. We talked about Gordon Highland's book Flashover and Phil Jordan's book uh, Praise of Motherhood because uh, the reason we did that episode was because they were doing a live reading in, in Kansas City, uh, the two of them together along with some others, and Lawrence had gone to that reading and he, re- he did a write-up of it and so he posted our episode, uh, a link to our episode should others say, but then he posted a link to his write-up of having actually been there. So it's a cool way for people to kind of throw a bunch of resources together for the stuff that we were, were talking about. Yeah, absolutely. It was a, it was a very nice thank you very much to Lawrence for doing that. Um, some conversations have already been started there. And uh, Rob and I have decided that, uh, um, you know, as a thank you for people in the listening group that we're going to start kind of doing some exclusive stuff over there too. So I don't know, we're talking about maybe posting our favorite episodes as some people have already started doing. Um, and then we've got a little bit of bonus content from a couple of episodes that we never made it onto the show. So we may find a way to just put that uh, on there. So if you're interested, there's probably a way to get to it, and I don't know what it is. <clears throat> uh, we're going to put a link up. Actually, if you will, actually, there already is a link up. If you go to bookpodcast.com, scroll to the bottom of the website, you'll see a little image that says Booked Listeners Listening Group. Booked Listening Group, because that's actually what it's called. Uh, if you click on that image, then it's going to take you directly to the Facebook group, and then you can join it right there. There you go. Apparently, I don't spend enough time on our webpage. Yeah, even though I told you about this. Anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, what Livius was saying about bonus content, one thing that springs to mind is that uh, for for the sake of, of time, we had to cut about a three-minute conversation about the movie Backdraft with David James Keaton. Um, that's something that I had pulled together and I was just going to drop a link to somewhere. And then this group pops up and I'm like, this is the perfect place to, to drop this link because it's people who probably listen to the episode and it's hilarious and people would, you know, it's the right minded people who would, who'd want something like that. So that, and yeah, like kind of our best of episodes list and stuff like that are all really cool ideas that we'll be hopefully pulling together soon. So a little bit about um, Lawrence Kitts. Rob mentioned that he did the shit authors say um, reading write-up. That's available at his website, which is slityourwristsmagazine.com. Lots of cool content in there. I just started kind of digging around in in the last day or two as I had some free time since we weren't reading for the show. But there's uh, short fiction and interviews and book reviews, and there's some really cool content there. So you'll definitely want to go and check that out. Slits. Yeah. It's like my, I know the rocks I did some of this. That was like my fifth attempt at saying this. Slityourwristsmagazine.com. Yeah, and specifically the posts for Shit Authors Say uh, actually dropped yesterday, July 4th. We're recording this on the 5th. He, he does a write-up about being there and his experience and everything, but he also posts links to the videos that Gordon Highland put up of uh, people reading there. Hampton Stevens, who uh, writes for The Atlantic, did a reading. Uh, and then there's stuff for Gordon Highland, Caleb Ross, and Phil Jordan reading from Praise of Motherhood, which I guess just made everybody terminally sad, but like in a good way. Yeah, I often get sad in a good way. <laughs> like in a listening to Morrissey kind of way? Yeah, like like reading Matt Bell. There, there you go. There it is. 
<laughs> ah, there it is again. Um, so booked listening group. Go to our website, scroll to the bottom, click the image, join the group. And, and now that's we can say join the conversation because there actually is a crazy amount of conversation going on uh, that we don't have to push people to do. They're just doing it on their own. So that's really exciting for us. Yeah, we're kind of keeping out of it a little bit, right? We're not getting too, too involved. We're going to let listeners do the involvement. Well, yeah, uh, but the nice thing is people can ask us questions about stuff that they're curious about or they didn't get the full answer to. And since we're in the group, uh, we're available to, to kind of fill in the blanks for them or someone, you know, if someone asks about something, what's that episode that you talked about this, you know, we can try and point them in the right direction and stuff like that. So we're kind of a resource instead of like trying to pull a group together. It's kind of cool. <laughs> instead this vision of a, uh, what do you mean? Apparently there were concentration camps. <laughs> Discussion group over <laughs> interview over. <laughs> So at any rate, very cool. Thank you, friends, <laughs> kids, so much for doing that. It's something that quite honestly never occurred to me, and I probably we probably wouldn't have done it on our own even if it did. So, but. well, yeah, and that's the beautiful thing is like, had we done it, you know, it wouldn't be like you know, it's like trying to force something to happen, you know. It would have been know. very egoist of us, but yeah, it was like you come, please love us, but now it's just like, oh, we're actually, you know. It, there's a group of people who are interested enough, at least in what we're talking about, to get together and talk about it. So that's pretty cool. So, yep. So thanks to Lawrence and everybody who's in the group too. Yeah. And on a lighter note, it is a bit of an ego boost. Yeah. Right? Well, of yeah. course. It's, it's yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> All right. Here's the next thing I want to talk about. It's going to turn into a really kind of a longer subject and, Apparently, this has been around for a while. It just came to our attention via Sean Ferguson, who did kind of anonymously credit somebody else. But we love Sean Ferguson. He's getting all the credit on this. Um, a Kiss Me Judas trailer that was uh, found over at Mythic Films' website. They're a small, uh, a small indie production company. And uh, apparently, they made a trailer, I guess, like two years ago for Kiss Me Judas. How I've never seen this is beyond me. But um, it was uh, very interesting to see that um crazy crazy and i'd never heard about it but uh looks pretty cool we watched the trailer and i think it looks like it's got a bit of some promise to it so this has been around for a while apparently but we reached out to um to mythic films um and i shot them an email and they got back to me um very quickly because i sent it late last night and uh I, i appreciate their quick response which i am going to uh to read to you so Ralph Hemmaker at mythicfilms.com. I just kind of asked and said, hey, we just came across this. Uh, we were wondering if you had you know, some comment because there isn't really a lot of information on it on the page that we could find. So he says, uh, thanks for the interest. We made that trailer a few years ago as a way to help sell the movie, and it's gotten a great response so far. Seems there's a lot of people who want to see KMJ on the screen, which is understandable since it's such a wickedly cool story and since, since Chris Baer is such a great writer. We may be close to actually getting the film going, but the feature world often moves at a glacial pace. I like the last line he said right after glacial pace. I'll keep you posted. Yeah, it's like we have some sort of inside contact now. Dude, okay, so I see the trailer. I get ridiculously excited. All right. Um, I immediately um, decide that I don't have Kiss Me Judas in uh, on my Kindle. <laughs> Because it well apparently I when I first got my first reader I'm guessing it wasn't available it did it come out I guess in 2011 
Um, so I go on there and I started reading Kiss Me Judas. That's how excited I got. I read like the first three chapters um, within minutes of, of watching that trailer. So um, regardless of what you think about the trailer, I'm very excited to see that it might be going to film. I'm very excited to see that uh, that Will Chris Bayer um, will hopefully be getting some much-deserved attention um, from hopefully a whole new crowd of people, not just us loyal followers. Um, what do you think of the trailer? Positives, negatives? Um, in general, it's pretty exciting. Uh, stylistically, I thought they went in that... So for most of the people that... Um, listen to this will know of or have read Kiss Me Judas and it's uh, they went with that kind of gritty feel with the, the the titles and the credits and the way that the actual like typography looked and everything um, I don't know overall I think it worked pretty well it kind of skewed the the timeline so you're seeing things out of order a little bit well not you know what I'm saying kind of seeing things mm-hmm. kind of jumps back and forth a little bit and um, yeah so like the style of the film was good the typography fit with the type of story it was. And uh, uh, the thing that I was going to ask is, what do you think about the casting for uh, the Phineas Poe character? You know, I actually had to watch the trailer a second time because I was almost pretty sure it's that guy from Burn Notice whose name I don't know. Jeffrey Donovan. Yeah. And uh, I decided it wasn't him, but I liked him. Now, the only issue I may have with that trailer, and and this is kind of it's a twofold thing here, um, the guy... Jude as a blonde, not <laughs> quite feeling it, but I like the girl. I like the attitude that she had in that trailer. So, not crazy about having a character that I've been picturing with dark hair with streaks in it for years. You know, being completely blonde. But um, if they're going to have a blonde, I think they might have picked the right one. I'd say so. Did you like that gun in the mouth moment? Yes, there's some great there's stuff there. Like, man. There was something very subtly sexual about it, but at the same time, that was just like. How hardcore do you have to be if, like, okay, it's not subtly sexual. But, <laughs> okay. But, like, pretty hardcore about, like, someone's pointing a gun at your face and you just put it in your mouth. So, Rob, can we get a link up to this trailer on the on the post for this so people can head over there and see it? Uh, it'll be there. We'll link it in the in the post. We'll link it on our Facebook page, too. And, hey, maybe it'd be a good place to put it on the group, too. There you go. And we have that as a resource. Um, all right, so we pause for a minute because I, I – it was really bothering me, uh, the the guy who plays Phineas Poe in the trailer. And uh, I rewatched the trailer. I went on IMDb to look at Jeffrey Donovan, the dude from Burn Notice. And, and there is a very telltale scar on the left side of his face that I believe pretty much proves that it is the guy, Jeffrey Donovan, the lead character from Burn Notice. I, uh, I, got, it. I got so twisted up about it that I had to just drop everything and go watch the trailer again. <laughs> I still think it's method acting, and that guy cut himself just to look like Jeffrey Donovan. So, it'd be a weird choice. Well, hey, if it's going to get you the part as Phineas Poe, you know, maybe uh, maybe Ralph's actually listening to this episode, and he can drop us a line, and we can uh, clear this up for uh, for anybody in the future. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's going to keep us posted. So that's right. Yeah. Well, he's going to keep you posted. Well, and here's the thing: it's been like six hours, and I haven't heard anything from him. So I don't know if this guy's really reliable about keeping us posted about things. Yeah. Well, maybe you That's... read that too broadly. Maybe he just been he'll keep you posted about Kiss Me Judas, not about like you know, hey guys, had a sandwich, it was all right. Hey, I'm really excited. <laughs> you know, I get when I'm really excited about things. I expect updates like right now. Oh. So. Oh, I know. <clears throat> yeah, I know you know. Apparently, Ralph didn't get that <laughs> message. So anyway, <laughs> Ralph. <laughs> Livius expects to hear from you, even if it's just to say nothing has changed. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's about... the, and that's an update. 
nothing new has occurred. About every 12 hours. <laughs> so at any rate, Ralph, thank you for your quick response today. Um, check out mythicfilms.com. Um, Rob will post a link in the post. Go over there and watch some of their other stuff. But, uh, uh, you know, if you like the trailer and you're excited about it, send him a note. That being said, um, I hope Ralph knows that uh, he's the reason that uh, Sean Ferguson might be suicidal at this point because Sean Ferguson really wants to make the Kiss Me Judas movie. So, um, Ralph, if you're anywhere on the East Coast, um, keep an eye out for a guy named Sean Ferguson. He will cut you if he finds you. And he has medical knowledge, so he'd probably do the right job, you know? Yes, he would. He's going to leave you in a bathtub full of ice, uh, missing a kidney. <laughs> missing the film rights to Kiss Me Judas. <laughs> any rate back to, back to the Sean Ferguson portion of this episode <laughs> um, apparently while Sean was out trolling for Will Christopher Bear information um, the other night he also came across something uh, and, and we're so out of date on all this crap it's embarrassing but um, there is a gentleman a musician by the name of William Control might be a fake name <laughs> Ooh, I'm really big on calling out fake names but um, he has an album out that I'm going to mispronounce it's called Silentium Amoris, um, which might mean quiet love in Latin. I don't know. But uh, interestingly enough, it appears that he has also read Kiss Me Judas. So um, the song you heard at the top of the show, um, the little snippet we played there, was from a song called The Velvet Warms and Binds, if that sounds familiar to any uh, uh, KMJ fans. And then uh, at the end of this show, you're going to hear a snippet from a song called Kiss Me Judas, which has probably less influence from KMJ than, than The Velvet Warms and Binds. Um, I listen to some of it on YouTube. I'll probably buy a copy and check out the rest of it. It's, uh, it's interesting stuff, so uh, definitely give it a listen. It's good to see uh, uh, at any time a kind of surge in interest in the uh, WCB books. Can I um, pose a theory here, being not yes. such a hardcore uh, well, Christopher Bear fan as some others are. Mm-hmm. What if the reason he's not putting out new books is because he started a music career? You did say That's... that sounded like a fake name. Uh, yeah, and his initials are WC. I think you might be onto something. Okay, but now we have to. I'm recall because I, I I re-listened to the Craig Clevenger interview we did, uh, and he was talking about the unique voice that will bear has so or chris bear i don't know will christopher bear has um so what do you think does uh did what clevenger said about his voice match up with the the singing uh in the song no 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 damn not even a little bit it was a good theory though so close we could have gone to one of his shows and been like you are the one it'll be like an eddie and the cruisers moment or something I will say this, the opening to that, I know you haven't heard it yet because we're going to time travel and you're going to put it back at the beginning of the episode. Um, that music, I think, kind of captures a feel much like uh, like that trailer did a little bit. The music in the beginning of The Velvet Warms and Binds really has a solid, really? solid, sorry, kind of, although electronica, I guess, would be the right term, but a, a good feel to it. I like the, the opening seconds of that. And the sound could be definitely a, a Phineas Jude moment. I wonder if we just shattered the illusion for for someone who's listening and thinks that like we actually play the music when we start to record and then like we have like a like a, a fader to like fade it out, you know, and then and everything just goes like completely smoothly. Do you think anybody thinks that? We dance during the music. Well, yeah, I mean, well, of course, but then yeah. Yes, we dance. I'm dancing right now. Just nobody can tell. <laughs> anyway, 
Uh, cool. That's good stuff. Uh, I didn't expect to be talking about Will Christopher Bear or Chris Kiss Me Judas today, so um, it was very unexpected that there was some of that news in right in time for our interlude episode. What are the odds of that? I'm not that good with math. <laughs> okay. All right. But here's what here's what I know about math. We've got some other trailers to talk about that mathematically um sadly will outdo a KMJ movie by about 40 million to 1. You want to kick off uh kick off talking about one of those? Yeah, the first one. The f- oh yeah. This just all right. Uh, what I when we watched, Livius and I watched this trailer earlier today, and my exact... Poor Rob's all tongue-tied over this. <laughs> my exact reaction to the to the trailer uh, was that I think I almost detached a retina rolling my eyes uh, so hard about this. It's uh, There's a movie coming out starring Tom Cruise, starring Tom Cruise, called Jack Reacher. Now, Livius knows a little bit more about this Jack Reacher character, so he's going to tell you a little bit about that. Um, Jack Reacher, for anybody who's not familiar with you know, New York Times bestsellers, um, is Lee Child's baby. They're probably at about 10, 12 books in the series, I would imagine now. Um, and the story follows a former uh, MP, military policeman, who has uh, left the military and kind of gets just... He, he just kind of falls into these situations where someone needs help or, or something happens to him where he needs to, uh, you know, kind of use his military uh, training to, to get out of a uh, situation. So Neil Smith talked a little bit about the magic behind the uh, Reacher books in our, uh, our interview with him. Um, and he says there's a magic formula there, and that's how he sells that many books. So, um, man, the trailer's goddamn cheesy. I read the first few Reacher books, and then they got to be kind of a kind of felt they were the same story over and over after reading four or five of them. So I didn't think they were bad. I just kind of got bored with them. But now uh, seeing that trailer, that trailer is nothing but cheese. I, I don't know. I, Tom Cruise seemed like a weird choice for this. Like maybe Jason Statham was busy. If that makes sense to anybody, you know who Jason <laughs> Statham is? Yes, I know right, Jason cool. Statham. Yeah, it's like that type of thing where it's like. Uh, it's an action film based around a guy who just he's got all the right skills to kick people's asses but you know just falls into these like the bad situation at the wrong like, screw it I, I just can't be interested in this mm-hmm. so speaking yeah, of I... <laughs> no go on were you going to say something I, I was just going to say the same thing it's it's um, you know you pointed out very interestingly how much the music sounded like the Mission Impossible theme <laughs> that's right <laughs> So, um, yeah, there's I have no interest in this, but it, it's going to wind up being a, a, a blockbuster. It's Tom Cruise in an action movie. So, yeah, with the classic muscle car. Yeah. Can I can I just talk about the next one? This is this, although this is not an official Patterson watch. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> the Alex Cross official trailer came out. Alex Cross is. Um, well, it's what really made James Patterson uh, as famous as he is. Um, I believe he's only currently, you know, solo working on a couple of series, and the Alex Cross one is the one that still comes out with the title of just his name under it. Now, before we start talking too seriously about this trailer, can I just say that I honestly thought that this was like a parody trailer that like Saturday Night Live put out or something? Wow, really? I mean, ta- all right. So, who's playing Alex Cross? First of all, um, I Tyler Perry. Tyler Perry, right? Yeah. Ty- all right. So, anybody who doesn't know about Tyler Perry, I really don't know much about Tyler Perry, but Tyler Perry makes those Medea movies. 
mm-hmm. where he's essentially dressed as a, a really annoying woman. Uh, I, I don't know. It just seemed like a really uh, for for big time action heroes. I don't know why Tyler Perry, besides the fact that he's got a big draw and a huge name and a huge following, would be. It just seems so weird. Am I the you know? Right? You're not with me on this. Um, I only am not with you because I, I I heard you know because his Tyler Perry movies always have Tyler Perry in front of them like a Spike Lee <laughs> joint like you well that's but I've never seen one so I don't know what his shtick is I kind of got that it was comedy but I, I'm just not familiar with him at all as as an actor or or what type of films he does other than their their you know African American comedies I guess so I I don't have anything to base it on um, I I didn't there've been three i think previous alex cross alex cross movies and that was morgan freeman and that's kind of not that i'm not okay with change but i I haven't read any of the alex cross stories i just kind of accepted morgan freeman as alex cross so it it seems like a pretty pretty uh strong change from him to tyler perry just from what i saw in the two minute trailer to be fair though morgan freeman i think is at least in his mid-70s it's crazy how old that guy is I will say this though, Matthew Fox of Party of Five fame is in this, so I may have to go see it. <laughs> yeah, again, screams action hero. Uh, actually, it, I was just I'm looking at the IMD page, IMDb page right now. The guy who is in uh, the movie The Professional or Leon the Professional, depending on which uh, title you see, uh, is in the is in this movie too, and he plays a character named Leon Mercer, Merci- Mercier. Oh, that's kind of an interesting... So if he plays an assassin, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, Matthew Fox is definitely the the villain in this, and quite honestly, I didn't know what to think when I first read that. Um, but seeing him, he he's, looks like he's a believable villain. I'm just kidding about wanting to see it because Matthew Fox, and I did watch Lost and was a big fan, and of course he was, you know, by the end, almost a showrunner with, uh, with Lost, but... Uh, I have to say that his character at least looks believable. I don't know so much about Tyler Perry. I don't know. I can't agree with you on this one. It just looks too fluffy for me. Looks like a PG-13 action movie or like a PG action movie. Like a waste of time. Yeah. Yeah, another movie I'll be adding to the list of movies I won't be seeing this year. Um, The third and final movie we're going to talk about. um, This is going to be really short. Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. I did go see this uh, a week and a half ago or so. Um, uh, don't go see it. You also it, read the book, right? Yes. The book is well worth a read. Um, really, really liked it, even though it was written by uh, the same guy who wrote Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, um, which I didn't find readable. I really enjoyed Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, and it's a travesty what happened to that movie. <laughs> oh, that's too bad. The only good thing I can say about it is the guy they got to play Abe Lincoln, I think, did a pretty good job playing Abe Lincoln, but they jacked that story up so bad. Um, it's I'm not going to say it's hardly recognizable because, let's face it, it's Abraham Lincoln fighting vampires. It doesn't take a whole lot to, to make it recognizable, but um, I'm going to make a loose suggestion based on something I haven't seen. I did notice that right before this came out on video appeared a movie um, that was called like Abraham Lincoln fights zombies. You may want to just watch that instead. Hey, can I, can I point one thing out? Sure. Uh, the director of Abraham Lincoln vampire hunter is a dude by the name of, and you'll have to bear with me on this Timur 
Bekmambetov or something like that. Bekmambetov. He's a Russian dude. So mm-hmm. I wonder if, if any type of like historical butchery that goes on is based on the fact that the dude's not from our country. Wow, that's a little racist of you, isn't it? No, I mean, like, but if he gets historical facts wrong or anything like that, yeah. is it? I see what you're you know saying. Because it's not his history. Mm-hmm. That could be. Um, I don't know that his. I don't Call know. Call me it's racist. Just, <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. You were like, hey, maybe it's messed up because that guy's Russian. <laughs> <laughs> so, All right. No. Well, that's really what I meant. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think that some of the the um, the things I really liked about the book were just lost in the translation to the screen and. and there's some plot points that were changed and kind of just like characters added that didn't exist in the book. It, it just was a waste of time of what could have really been, in my opinion, a, a good film. I know everyone kind of treated it as a joke because of the premise. I initially thought that when I picked up the book, I gave it a chance. And you know what? If you can buy vampires, you could buy Abraham Lincoln fighting them, at least as far as the as the book goes. Hey, uh, would you say that the book trailer is better than the movie? Did you see the book trailer for Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter? I did not. That was actually pretty good. It was one of the better book trailers I've seen. Huh, interesting. Yeah, but you know what? Sight unseen. Based on what you just said, I'm going to say yes. <laughs> there it is. So. I've been saying there it is way too much on this episode. Sean Ferguson's probably laying on a floor somewhere twitching. All right. Um, what do you got next? All right. So we mentioned it briefly before, but the next thing we're going to talk about, again, very briefly, because there's not a lot of information, is J.K. Rowling uh, had... Uh, signed on to do a new book, uh, the first book that is not a Harry Potter book. And um, recently the cover was uh, was finally kind of released. You can see what the cover is, and I've seen it. It's very boring. Uh, we'll post a, a picture of it on the post for this episode. And the page count also was released. So it's going to be 512 pages, so it's definitely in the tradition of a, of a JK book that it's not short by any means. Um it is the casual vacancy is the name of it, and uh, again, it sounds like I don't know what was the story. It was essentially like small it, town politics. Yeah, right? it's, yeah, it's a small town. Uh, some sort of political seat becomes vacant, and um, there's all this kind of you know crazy like a like a little town war starts up around this vacancy of this seat. Um, yeah, sounds kind of weird and boring. The cover looks boring. And it, I don't know what to think about this, but you know it's going to sell like eight billion copies and immediately be you know optioned for a movie and all that stuff because it's J.K. Rowling. We will uh, we will be reviewing that book as soon as it is made available to us, which means um, like it comes out and we'll buy it because we're not going to get an advanced copy of this from her publishers. Even though I did send out an email yesterday asking for two copies. Did you really? Yeah, that's very cool. So we'll see how snubbed we get. <laughs> Great. In between checking my email for, up, for updates <laughs> or mythic films and checking the mailbox, I'm going to be really, really busy this next couple months. <laughs> All right. Another thing that we want to make sure to mention is that there's a, a another book coming out uh, very soon, actually, that uh, ties in with some of the, the live readings we recorded earlier this year. So David James Keaton of Flywheel Magazine um, and Jason Stewart from Burnt Bridge got together and made an anthology called Get Your Goat. Did you say ties in? It is the transcription of the episode we had, I think, basically, right? <laughs> it's the stories that there were read there? Yeah, for the most part. I, uh, I sent a message over to David because we knew this was in the works. Um, 
and for, essentially it's going to be the stories that were read there I think um, and we'll find out soon but I think that some of the stories are um, committed in other places so it's not going to be 100% exactly the same but we're pretty much looking at yeah the same authors and for the most part the same content um, I just think it's really, really cool. I didn't mean that to sound negative anyway. I think it's awesome. I think it's a great idea. It was a, it was a great time um, for anybody who couldn't tell from the recordings. Um, Billy Goat Tavern, legendary uh, bar in Chicago. Um, and, I mean, those guys just put on a great, great, uh, great, great reading there. So it was lots of fun. Packed, packed that, that area that we had. It was so busy. There were, uh, there were people who couldn't get seats. Yeah, yeah, big, big, important people. Um, so, so the nice thing is, so I, I sent David a message just actually earlier today saying, hey, what's your timeline on this collection? Because we want to make sure that we're promoting it, um, obviously, because we were a part of it. And he sent back a message not too long later saying some very exciting news. Um, it should be up on Amazon sometime over the weekend. The official launch date is Monday. So uh, as early as Monday, you're going to be able to get yourself a copy of the Flywheel Burnt Bridge uh, Coordinated uh, Anthology Get Your Goat, which is pretty much everything that you heard from our uh, Shindig and Chi-Town readings. It's pretty awesome. Um, you know, that's the thing with Amazon. We've heard this a lot. Like, there's a release date, and then an author, like, you know, two days beforehand, it'll be like, it's up now. You would think with technology being what is Amazon being a pretty big company, you'd be able to say, I want this up at noon on Tuesday, and it would be up at noon on Tuesday. Yeah, you would think so. And we've been, yeah, because we've, we've done it before where we've tried to coordinate timing with someone where we launch an episode um, in, in kind of in sync with when they're launching a book. And then, mm -hmm. the, then the book's available three days before. And we're like, hey, we were, you know, hey, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just seems like this thing, like, I guess better early than late. But, I mean, this is all like a computerized process, right? This should be within minutes of when you want it to be it shouldn't be like this kind of vague it just sounds like vague like it'll probably be up sometime this weekend i don't want people to think that this is like a professional effort it just seems that amazon can't get their uh their you know their crap together and do things when they're supposed to wow taking a shot at amazon well um, it just seems that's <laughs> all i guess i got another rant sorry so um what i will say too it's initially going to be available in uh ebook as an ebook, and I think that the goal, don't quote me on this, but I think the goal is that depending on sales uh, in the ebook format, they might try and use some of the proceeds to, f to, to finance a print run, um, which would be really cool because I'd love to have a print copy of it too, you know, get everybody's signatures on and everything. Um, but yeah, so look for it this weekend, Monday, for sure. We'll make sure that we've got uh, links on our Facebook and our, you know, probably on our website too, so that uh, anybody that's interested in getting it knows where to go. Very exciting. I'm very looking forward to you. And you know what? Do you think that's going to affect you differently? I know we talked about this with like Lipidopterus, but do you think you'll look those, at those stories differently if you read them versus hearing them the way we did? I think so. Actually, the funny thing was um, uh, we had gotten copies of uh, the Mark Rapox book that, uh, the, uh, that Buffalo Bill and the Gallery of Machines book that he wrote, and um, I was reading through it, and I realized that there was an excerpt. There was an excerpt that he read from it at the reading. So when I got to that point in the book, I actually queued up his reading of it and followed along, and it was really cool to do. Um, but yeah, I think that there is yeah a bit of a different element to it. Uh, 
hearing it in the voice in your mind versus hearing the voice of the actual person who wrote it. <laughs> Two things came to mind. A little less screamy. <laughs> Shriftman. <laughs> yes. And then that no matter how that's written, it can't beat Amy's delivery on on, on that weird ass story about the sink beast. Yeah. Because, yeah. Nothing like that kind of, uh, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I want to still deliver it well kind of voice. Yeah. Yep. You really can't, you can't fake that. That's, that no, that was just, that was wonderful. And like I said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to read all of them again, but I can tell you that, that, that one won't hold a candle to the, uh, to the performance piece. <laughs> for sure <laughs> so I'm really excited I was I thought this was something that was going to be a little bit farther down the road but I mean great I mean if we're going to have it next week it's going to be something I could read on the plane on the way to LA very cool alright Livius what do you got next well, the only other thing I really wanted to mention is um, I noticed that Night Circus came out in paperback uh, this past week um, we both thought very, very highly of this book. We realized there are people who listen who refuse to buy a Kindle because they think it's still 1980. Um, so if you didn't want to buy the hardcover of Night Circus, it's out in paperback. I imagine that's probably like seven bucks. And if you wander into a Barnes and Noble, it's probably like on their bestseller paperback list. So probably even cheaper than that. So, um, yeah, check out, um, Night Circus by Morgan, uh, Aaron Morgenstern. Aaron Morgenstern, was that her name? I don't have the note in front of me. I'm just pulling this from memory. Yes, it is Aaron Morgenstern. Good good job. That's actually a good yes. poll for you. For um, me, that's very good. I almost called her Morgan Aaronstern now. <laughs> there's a Morgan Aaronstern out there that's got really excited for just well, a, there's very, a, very there's a Yeah, there's a Morgan Aaronstern out there that has a book called like Afternoon Circus. <laughs> um, yeah, Night Circus. And uh, this is what I'll have to say about it. We did. We loved it a lot. And one of the big things, the big selling points that I talk to a lot of people, they, people find out I do a book review podcast, and then that's the only thing I want to talk about is books. Um, and I always, Night Circus is the first thing I, I tell them to read. And the reason is because it's got universal appeal. A lot of the stuff that we read, you know, is kind of dark, kind of murdery, you know, um, sometimes very graphic. Kind of uh, murdery. A little, little murdery. rapey. A little rapey sometimes. sometimes Sometimes there's a bit of rapiness, especially if, uh, oh, it's when Dave Keaton was talking about that on that one episode. It was hilarious. He outraped uh, <laughs> Tony G. So anyway, um, but the Night Circus just, I mean, literally anybody could read it. Uh, well, except for obviously people who are incapable of reading. Um, it, it's just got universal appeal. You know, young adults could read it. Um, people who don't read very often could kind of take it on as a project. It's a little bit longer, but it's it's consistently interesting throughout. So um, this is the book that I throw out as as the anybody could read it book. So I definitely like to push this book a lot. And I'm also since Aaron Morgenstern is on the market, trying to you know hook up with like the sugar mama thing. She can kind of. <laughs> Kidding. Just kidding. Nice. About that You're going to quit the podcast because Morgan Aaron Stern's going <laughs> to send you an email. I did that on purpose that time. Yeah. Well, that would be a joke would be on me if I hook up with Morgan Aaron Stern and I'm like, no, you're not rich and famous. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So anyway, go pick up a copy of Night Circus if you haven't yet. It's fantastic. And I, I agree with you the whole time you were talking. That's that's exactly it. It has universal appeal. So. 
All right, that exhausts the long list of topics that we had um, to talk about uh, this evening. So uh, thank you for listening to an interlude episode. We appreciate it. We will be back on the book review um, bandwagon uh, next week with S.G. Brown's Lucky Bastard, which is... uh, which I'm very excited to read. Rob has not read any S.G. Brown. I read Breathers, loved it, read Faded, really liked it a lot. Um, and I'm looking very forward to another um, Scott G. Brown, S.G. Brown, as he goes his author name, um, another book. So that's going to be up next for us. And I know that people think interlude means we've been lazy. And sometimes that's true. So we didn't do a lot of reading this week, but I want people to know that we have some really exciting episodes and some exciting stuff coming up for the show. So I'm not going to give any of it away, but look for some bigger episodes coming up in the very near future. Very near. Very, very near future. I'm not going to reveal anything, but I will say that the episode you're listening to now is our 95th episode. And so uh, we've done 95 yeah, that's all I'm gonna say. Ninety-five episodes. It's a lot of episodes. Yeah, yeah. It's I don't have anything else to say about it. It's oh, ninety. It's ninety-two more than Livius expected to do. Yes, yes. That's like thirty times more. Um, but anyway, yeah. No, we have some some really really great stuff coming up, um, both in the very near future and then some stuff in the kind of like the midterm. So, midterm, mid length future, whatever. Uh. Bringing things back, I just want to mention one more time the booked listening group. Uh, uh, it's been up and running about a week now. There's a bunch of members in there, and it's it's actually pretty consistently active. So um, if you like the show or you just want to go to a place where people kind of talk a little bit more about the books and topics that we're talking about, um, again... We'll uh, have links all over the place for you to go and join the group and uh, just join in the conversation. And um, I think it's great. Um, I like talking to uh, people on there and seeing what people are talking about. And um, yeah, so go over there and check it out. I definitely recommend it. Agreed. Um, just before we really wrap it up, remember um, we're gonna we're gonna lead the show out with a, a little more from William Control. Um, from his latest album so definitely check him out and don't forget to stop back and hear us talk about lucky bastard next week all right that's going to wrap it up for this week's interlude episode of booked i'm rob olson and i'm livia snedden keep reading